Welcome to Grassroot Diplomat Talks, the podcast series produced by Grassroot Diplomat, where diplomacy starts with you. I'm Sandra Francis-Renaudot, I'm the Managing Director here at Grassroot Diplomat, and I will be your host. Today, I am joined by Jeanette Beans, the PR and Communication Director, to discuss adapting diplomacy to culture and personality. The Vienna Conventions on Diplomatic Relations ensures that diplomatic practices are the same everywhere. All diplomats conduct themselves the same way, but must be able to stay flexible around how they work around cultures. Yes. That's a quite interesting topic in a way that nowadays diplomacy is not what it used to be. When the Vienna Conventions were written, the world was in a certain shape that is completely different now. And I think that this culture clash or clash of civilizations is still accurate today and is still sensitive in a way that as a diplomat, this is something that you really need to think about. You need to understand that culture and personality has a very big impact in your job. Yeah. The Vienna Conventions on Diplomatic Relations was, I think, finalized in like the 1960s, 1961. And so it's a vastly different world to some extent. Globalization has really changed the frequency with which we interact with other cultures, as well as the arenas that we interact with them. You need to be aware of the different cultures you're going to engage with and collaborate with and how to do that in a way that is respectful and shows dignity for both cultures and for all peoples involved. It's such a huge thing to try and comprehend when you're just starting out because there's so many little rules, so many giveaways, so many things that you're not really going to know until you go through the experience of it. The first thing I, I say about this is go out there and talk to people of other cultures. You know, do not hesitate. Do not wrap yourself in this bubble of people who are of the same ethnicity, same race, same culture, same religion. Burst your bubble and really go out to talk with peoples from all demographics, walks of life, and backgrounds. That's going to be the first step. And it's actually, it's going to be a continuous step in the diplomatic career. You need to always be looking to do this and to do so in a way that is positive and respectful and emphasizes collaboration. Exactly. Now, we don't realize how often what we think about a culture is actually a stereotype. It's just because we read about it and just also because we just feel that we have known that fact for such a long time that it's actually a fact but it's not it's just a stereotype if you see that when you interact with people you don't see that by reading and just you know being in your old bubble like you said if you're out there and you talk to people you realize how what you read is actually a stereotype and you can actually see that nowadays with the what i call the biggest or at least the most recent clash of civilization or cultural clash for me is the uh, the muslim world mm -hmm. against the West world. Obviously, you have so many aspects of this conflict yeah. going on. It can be economic, political, etc. But in the end, when you talk to people about this, a lot of what people think the Muslim world is, or how people see the West world as well, obviously the antagonist of, uh, of the Muslim world. This clash of civilization, which is a term that a lot of people in international relations and diplomacy have heard, this has been applied to so many different conflicts. But this is the most recent example that we can give you guys is this mm -hmm. think about your view about the uh, the situation yeah. think about it is it a stereotype or is it a fact mm -hmm. is it something that you have always believed but never searched and never encountered yeah. or never discussed with a muslim person or is it something that actually you know because you interacting you're interacting with yeah. the relevant people 
as an aspiring diplomat and as even like official diplomats can tell you is that when they encounter a cultural clash is all about knowing and the perception that you have of the other person. These stereotypes also in part are coming from our media. So being careful with what we are digesting in terms of media, whether it's TV shows, the news, just mass messages, you know, what are they saying about these other groups, these other cultures? And how are we ingraining that? How is that affecting and influencing our takes on the groups as a whole? Because there's a lot of theories out there, (laughs) too many to discuss in one podcast about that role of communication, had that influence of media portrayals of other cultures to how we interpret them in term, both emotionally, in terms of whether we perceive them as a threat. There's a lot and we really, as grassroots diplomats, you know, whether that means we are official diplomats, aspiring diplomats, diplomats on the ground, we need to challenge where we are getting that information and those perceptions and those stereotypes. Exactly. I think, for example, when I was studying, I studied international relations and diplomacy and my minor was Japanese. In these classes, we had a lot of obviously discussions about international relations and diplomacy issues. And the one that is actually quite famous among Japanese issues is Okinawa. (laughs) Okinawa is an island in the south of Japan. It is widely known to have uh, still the United States Navy there. It was used as a base in the uh, Korean War and nowadays you can still find military personnel there. I remember that when we studied it, it was in depth. It was back in 2012. (laughs) If you read the media, if you look for this, you will see that it's still ongoing. As many of you know, the perception of the US is I think that is, is this also the case, maybe, Jeanette, you can tell me, being <laughs> American. You have this image of American being great, how important America is on the, the world stage, and if, which is true. Some politicians in the US, they like the rhetoric of the American su- uh, superiority. <laughs> and you can see that in actually in this example with the US military personnel in Okinawa. They have been so arrogant. Diplomats there have had a lot of issues about dealing with this because you had personal being rude to the Japanese people there, like sprouting nonsense in their in their own language in English, but being very rude, being disrespectful. Some of them even rape young Japanese girls. And we can understand how difficult it can be for the diplomats there to handle that because the rhetoric that we're talking about, about the US as superiority, is so well ingrained, if I can say, in Japan. Like Japanese people, they understand how, you know, the US is important. Oh, we can be used to people shouting, you know, being super rude to you on the street and you're just like, okay, whatever, and you just go by. But maybe in Okinawa, this is not done. In Japan, it is not done. Mm-hmm. You feel that maybe teaching the US military personnel about the culture and how to have maybe a kind of culture exchange as well between those two and how the US ambassador to Japan must have had a lot of work with the uh, Japanese government. That's one example that is that shows how cultural awareness is so important and how by just knowing where you are and you can be proud to be American, you can be proud to be a Marine. I'm not saying that you shouldn't mm-hmm. be, but I think that it's all about being aware of how other people would perceive you. Sometimes your behavior can actually shock or even offend others because it is not how it is done in that culture. Yeah. And you may know the culture, but we need to make sure that everybody knows the culture because the US military personnel are citizen diplomats. 
They're diplomats for us. They represent the U.S. that they want it or not. This is why you have so many Okinawans saying that they don't like the U.S. No, yeah, I think that's a really great example that showcases, for one, the need for diplomats to lead by example and to show citizens of all groups, you know, whether it's military, whether it's just civil society, whether it's specific organizations, how important it is to be respectful and considerate when abroad and when communicating abroad and to be knowledgeable about the differences in culture and how that's going to affect how we engage with one another and our experiences. And it also just shows the need for every every individual to learn about these cultural differences. You are a diplomat as soon as you leave your country. You know, even if you're going abroad for holiday, you're going to run into some culture clashes and you need to know how to be able to handle those with respect in a way that speaks well of your home country, because that is who you are representing at this point. I know we don't tend to think like that. We think, oh, great, I'm on holiday. I get to go abroad, have fun, do X, Y, Z. But the truth is, we're always representing our nation, whether we choose to or not. And as such, we often judge people as representing their nations too. You know, one interaction with one person from another country will truly influence our perspectives on that country. And it's the same case for ourselves. We all need to realize that. In this case, Okinawa, I don't necessarily know as much as you do about it, but it shows how something so seemingly small is actually has these huge impacts. You know, when we think about the intercultural communication and the intercultural rhetoric that's going on and these differences in national dialogues and national norms, these can lead to huge issues. So when we think about diplomacy, we have to think of it in terms of adapting to different cultures. I think that culture is so tricky to understand and to adapt yourself to. For example, I'm French. I live in the UK, as you know. And even though France and the UK are separated just by the channel and you feel that we're so close. We're basically more or less the same. <laughs> no, <laughs> I have encountered so many cultural clashes while being here. And I was very shocked when I was told that I can come across very rude, very abrupt, just because it's just the way I, I express myself, because the way I talk. And I'm not afraid, for example, to say no, which is not the case for many British person. <laughs> you know, you need to love and embrace it and adapt yourself, because if you can't adapt, it's going to hurt you as much as it's going to hurt the people you're interacting with. Yeah. I didn't know about this until recently, and I got very surprised when I read about this. Basically, France nominated a diplomat to represent France to the Holocene. The yeah. candidate that they pushed forward is gay. And even though he was the perfect candidate for this position, the Vatican, you know, month after he was named as an ambassador, the Vatican mm -hmm. had still not accredited him for the post. Nowadays, being gay is normal, if I can say. Two years ago, France decided to remove this person because the Vatican just resisted. Yeah. It had nothing to do with the quality of his work. The challenges of nowadays is how diplomat needs to adapt to life-size choices. Yeah, and to, to follow up with that even, diplomats these days need to recognize the various lifestyle choices that exist within the countries they represent. So many of our nations are becoming more and more multicultural, and we need to recognize all those cultures that exist within one nation. Your diplomat may not necessarily come from the exact same background as you from some of these nations, and that can be concerning, I think, for the average person, for civil society. You know, will you feel 
feel truly represented? Will they accurately portray your lifestyle and your culture? And so diplomats need to be responsible for taking the initiative of learning about all the different cultures and the countries they represent and all the different lifestyles of the people they represent. It's not necessarily because as a diplomat, you don't believe in certain ways. You can't adapt yourself to these ways just temporarily. If I take the example of, you know, Mr. Stefanini, let's say that he, he you know, he's an ambassador now. Uh, he's invited to a diplomatic dinner. The ambassador hosting this dinner doesn't believe in gay rights. And there is no protocol on how to seat Mr. Stefanini and, and uh, his partner. The point is that it's just a matter of adapting, you know, like, okay, I don't believe it, but this is nothing personal. This is all about coming together in one room and trying to work together. Obviously, it's easier said than done. And that's why the more you're aware of this, the more you engage in this kind of situation, the better you will know how to react. At the end of the day, you decided to work in diplomacy to do good, to achieve things with the world. So if you're not ready to adapt yourself to cultures or to some personalities, I think that you, you will struggle a lot to achieve what you want to achieve. Go out there, people. Go out there interact with as many people as possible you have been listening to grassroots diplomat talks join us again next month to discuss the practices of diplomacy and i hope you will consider joining our organization add your comments to our facebook page at facebook.com slash diplomat as well as twitter and instagram our social media handle is at gr diplomat for further information please visit www.grassrootdiplomat.org I am Sandra Francis Renaudot and we look to hearing from you.